The year was 1893, and thousands upon thousands of people flocked to Chicago for the World's Fair. Little did they know a few of them wouldn't be coming home. At the corner of 63rd Street, H.H. H. Holmes created what many would refer to as a murder castle. And a lot of people went in and just did not come out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. I am Christy. I am Scott. And we're going to talk about old time murders. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something, there's something kind of special about, about vintage murders, vintage crime in general, uh, I don't know. It, it seemed like it was more plausible to get away with it, but the the punishments, if you were caught, were much more severe. So, today, serial killers, if they're caught, I don't think we're ever going to have, uh, you know, the big serial killers anymore with the high body counts. I think it's it's too easy to get caught nowadays with DNA testing, what have you. But But back then, you know, you could get away with it, but... You were going to be shot. You were going to be, if you were lucky, you were hung and your neck was snapped instantly. So lower risk, but higher consequences. Exactly. Although, exactly. interestingly, I did read today that um, about only about 40% of murders are solved, which is actually lower um, than in previous years historically. Really? I would think with like DNA testing. You would think with, yeah. with everything, but it, it might just be maybe like lower staff, lower budgets. It, you know, it's just hard for, you know, the police are swamped with cases. It could be, you know, any number of factors. See, I've, I've always wanted to have the DNA testing done, uh, simply because I have a family member that I'm fairly certain is a serial killer. <laughs> oh, and boy. I would, I would love to have the DNA testing done just to get him caught. And that's that's how they caught the Golden State Killer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your DNA could help catch your um, whatever family member. I'm not going to speculate. We're, we're <laughs> not going to talk about it, just in case he or she is listening. Wink. <laughs> so, uh, how's your week been? Week's been pretty good. My cats have been have been fighting. They've uh, they're they're just nuts right now. I've got five little fur balls oh, wow, flying five. around the house. I didn't realize it was five. Yeah, there was five. There's the mom Greta. And then the four others are uh, Wilford Brimley, <laughs> Alex, just Alex, Jazzy Bell. Um, oh my heavens, I'm forgetting the rest of them. You forgot one. I of forgot your one. Well, it's, you know how it is. <laughs> oh, Cthulhu, Dark Lord of the Underworld and Purveyor of Fine Cuddles. How could you forget Cthulhu, Dark Lord of the Underworld and Purveyor of Fine Cuddles? I forgot Cthulhu. I'm it, sorry. It does roll right off the tongue. He really, he really does. <laughs> <laughs> and the fur sticks to the tongue. And, and the hilarious thing is, the one instigating all the fights isn't even a cat. It's my dog, Pebbles, a little one-eyed chihuahua. <laughs> So he's been the one just instigating all the fights. And, of course, he riles them up and then curls up underneath of a blanket, hides from them, and just lets them fight. <laughs> and he's got a real re Emperor of Rome attitude about him. The brown one amuses me. Make it fight. Thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, in the, in the Coliseum. Exactly. Speaking of thumbs, you have a great cat who can actually give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yes, I do. Twice. <laughs> He can shake my hand, yes, yeah. and he actually does. Oh, yes, yes. Marquette uh, Hemi, he has uh, he has thumbs, and he's. We noticed something interesting this week in that he will completely ignore us if we're inside. 
But if we go out on the deck, he has to be in one of our laps. I mean, he will like scratch at your knee and everything. And he just goes crazy until he can be sitting in your lap comfortably. So it's like only outside. Inside, you don't exist. We talked a little bit about this before. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pack attitude where he's looking at you for protection. It's yes. the same reason dogs will always stare awkwardly at their owners whenever they're going to the bathroom, <laughs> taking the mighty crap on the lawn. They always <laughs> tremble. I don't know if all dogs tremble. I have a chihuahua. So the chihuahua only has two emotions, anger and tremble. Um, but yeah, it's that pack attitude. I think he's looking to you for safety whenever he's out there. And yet, he's constantly trying to, if he's not in our lap, he's trying to escape off of the deck. He actually will climb up the railing and jump over and then run down the stairs. And then we have to go rooting through the bushes to find him. It's ridiculous. He's, he's, he's either one way or the other. Either he wants to be right up your ass or he wants to be as far away as possible. And it's dark outside and you have to go find a flashlight and like get ticks on you in order to find him. <laughs> Sounds like both my ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. We, we have got an interesting case for you guys this week. The case of one Herman Mudgett. Also known as H.H. Holmes. Yeah, because if my name was Herman Mudgett, I would change (laughs) it to just about anything to not be called Herman Mudgett. Immediately, like the second it was possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Out of the womb, instantly, (laughs) I need a name change. Don't let the ink dry on the birth certificate. But the, the thing that I found fascinating... And I don't know if others will see this. I don't know if it's a fault in my own psychology. As I was researching him, I became begrudgingly respectful of him because of everything that he accomplished. I don't want a lot in my life. I, I want enough money to survive. I want the cute girl at the gym to notice me even though she's married to somebody else, <laughs> right? And I, I want, I, this is a stupid dream. I want to move away to California where I never have to see another snowflake again. <laughs> That's, that is not stupid at all. <laughs> that is every day for six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're recording from one of the snowy estates in, in the U.S. And it's just, it's getting to the point where it's getting to me. I have not been able to make any of these little tiny dreams happen. And yet somehow, Triple H was able to score three wives at once. (laughs) At once. Divorce? Don't even bother. Three wives at once. Built a, what was it, 30-room murder castle? Yeah. Not out in the woods, in the middle of Chicago. And just took trips around the United States. He was quite the traveler. He was. Nothing stopped this guy. And he was quite the traveler in the day when it was not as easy to travel. So, you know, those were long voyages and uncomfortable conditions. But he was like, no, I got to get somewhere else before I, I get busted. And I don't understand how, like, in the middle of murdering all these people, how he was able to take time to travel in an era when the fastest thing was a 35-mile-an-hour train. At best, that was high-tech. And so there's a bit of begrudging respect for, for Triple H yeah. in this whole thing. We um, hate him, but in our daily lives when we're like, I can't even accomplish all five things on my to-do list and they're not even that complicated, yeah. we kind of have to look at him and go, how'd you do it? 
Yeah. Like, how did you manage? You, you fuck up immediately in the morning by burning toast. <laughs> yes. Not H. Not H. He is raring, ready to go. But every psychopath has a starting point. Let's talk about Triple H's starting point. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was born, as we said, Herman Mudgett in 1861 in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. Not just Herman Mudgett. Herman Webster Mudgett. Oh, it's so beautiful. Didn't even have a good <laughs> middle name to fall back on. Anybody listening to this that's named either Herman Webster or Mudgett, we're very sorry. <laughs> Our apologies. But come on. <laughs> come on. It's not a David. It's a Herman and a Webster. It's, yeah, horrible, horrible. If only he could have been named Cthulhu. What is it? Dark, Dark Lord of the Underworld, purveyor of fine cuddles. Yeah, he would never have done everything that he did, and the world would be better off for it. Absolutely. If only his parents had gone a little bit of a different route. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that wasn't going to be possible, because his parents, the wonderfully named Theodette Page Price, and the Levi Horton Mudgett... You just don't have names like that anymore. No, no you do not. Devout Methodists, so I doubt they'd be naming their son Cthulhu. <laughs> Really, really strong on the punishments. Mm -hmm. Levi himself was pretty fond of starvation as a punishment, isolation as a punishment. Uh, and one thing that I found particularly interesting, soaking a rag in kerosene and holding it over his children's faces. And, and Herman was not an only child. But holding a rag of kerosene over their faces whenever they misbehaved. And I think the interesting thing, I'm no psychologist. I'm at best an armchair psychologist. But it seems like all the murders that he, he commits in the future, you have the asphyxiation room. You have rooms that have no exit in his murder castle where he can watch the person starve to death in isolation and it really seems like i don't know if he did it on purpose i don't know if it was accidental but levi did a really wonderful job following the handbook of how to create a serial killer yeah how to create a monster yeah absolutely it was like he hit almost every point that you could do to really really create a horrible human being. And that mold, like his son took basically took the mold and <laughs> ran with it, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh, Levi was an abusive drunk, but strongly religious on top of that. So his father would get there, beat the kids in a punch-drunk alcoholic stupor, and then be spouting off some religious diatribe, and that never works. I, I, I know I know of people who were raised in in those strongly, strongly religious families that were really severe with the punishments, and they never turn out quite right. Yeah. There's always something a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's overkill, <laughs> not to make a pun, I Please, guess. Pun away. <laughs> but yeah, it just really it, it, it damages something and I think it I, I mean, I, I, I also am nothing more than an armchair psychologist, if that, I mean, um, but I think it also creates uh, a lack of empathy, because um, I think one of the main things that, you know, any sort of psychopath or sociopath, you know, like, 
they have a hard time, you know, they might be able to fake empathy, but they have a hard time actually feeling it. And I, I sometimes feel like that's, you know, that, that inability to empathize is what makes them able to be so incredibly cruel and just awful to other human beings without ever really feeling anything about it, never really being able to understand, like, I'm making, I'm hurting someone, I'm making somebody hurt and I'm torturing them. And they're never able to just actually sit back and say, you know, like if I were doing that to somebody, I would, I wouldn't, mm -hmm. just plain wouldn't, obviously. But, you know, when I think about doing that to somebody, it's, it's horrifying, the very idea of it to me, because I can't imagine inflicting that kind of pain on another person. But I think that that the sort of that that harsh upbringing, I think maybe they just have to detach or something like that, because not only are they being tortured, but they're watching siblings being tortured. And so I think that, you know, like, that's just my armchair guess. I think I think it's uh it's fifty percent detachment and fifty percent trying to gain control over a situation. Yes, that's a very good point. Yeah, because what does young Herman do? Young Herman starts to hide from his parents in the woods. Mm -hmm. And what does he do out there? What does he do to pass the time? You or I, we would you know pick leaves and watch deer run in the field. That wasn't enough for young Herman. He, he starts to get animals, dissect them alive. He starts to, starts to torture them, see how long they'll, it takes them to bleed out whenever they cut off limbs and what have you. So at that point, he, he starts to gain that control over another living creature. And we're not talking about a dummy. He was extremely, extremely intelligent. And he was, he was bullied viciously in school. Um, because here you have this kid who has this horrible life, who is doing horrible things in the woods that he can't really share with anyone. And he's going into school and it shows, it shows. And so he has made himself an easy target and he starts to be bullied. And there's, there's one specific incident in Holmes himself towards the end of his life talks about this is the turning point for mm -hmm. me. It wasn't the animal torture. It was an incident with a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. They, they found out that the, the kids who were bullying him found out that he was, you know, afraid of doctors. Uh, and so they made him stand in front of a human skeleton in a doctor's office and just stare at it. Oh, so, it was it was more than that. Oh, it was more they, than that? They actually took the hands. Oh, dear. And kind of like rubbed them over his face, from what I understood. Ooh. From what I understood. Yeah. And... This isn't this isn't the era where they had plastic skeletons, model skeletons. No. This was an actual human used to be up walking around paying bills skeleton. The real deal. The real deal. The real deal. And Holmes himself said that was the last time he was afraid of anything. Especially death. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he actually started to become fascinated with it as a matter of fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was a Definitely an interesting character. He was already interesting before that, not in the best ways. <laughs> yeah. But this is where he starts to starts to really, really kind of lose it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting. This could have been this could have been a defining moment for him. You have certain people, whenever faced with that same situation, I, I remember there was a, there was an episode in history where uh, the person was faced with a similar situation. He cut off his hand, replaced it with a chainsaw, started saying groovy a lot. 
And so it's a thing where this situation could turn people into heroes and it can turn some people into villains. Mm -hmm. And I make the Ash joke. <laughs> I make the Ash joke. So you're comparing. You've got you've got Ash on one side, mm -hmm. and you've got H. H. Holmes, A.K.A. Herman out. Webster Mudgett. Herman. I keep on wanting to say mullet for some reason. Absolutely. Because <laughs> probably, but no, it, it's 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 an interesting thing, because I think there's a story there that somebody could write. They are making a an H. H. Holmes movie with DiCaprio in the lead. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be an interesting story to have H.H. H. Holmes be the hero and all these people he killed be, be demons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Misunderstood hero of the 19th century. Sort of like a, a supernatural Dexter. Yeah, 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 there it is. It's like Dexter, but with Dracula. But he's very much not a hero. In fact, he may have even uh, killed a childhood playmate. Young Tom. Young Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, Holmes said that Tom was the very first person he ever saw die. Uh, they were exploring an abandoned, abandoned building, and he said Tom fell to his death. I don't... Do you think Tom fell to his death? I don't believe it one bit, especially considering that he, you know, eventually would tell so many misleading or completely untrue stories about people that he killed. I believe that he became adept at lying early on, and, you know, especially that very, if that was his very first kill, you know, he had great reason to. Later, it seemed like he just enjoyed, you know, kind of confusing everybody and, and leaving it very uncertain as to what he had done and to whom. But I think early on, like, the, I, the falling to his death seems far less likely than being pushed or anything else. I, I do, I do believe, at least I want to believe, because there's nothing I can do to bring Tom back. Uh, but I want to believe that that this guy, Tom, was his first victim. Because in some weird sense, it gives Tom's life a little bit of meaning. It wasn't just an accident. But if we take a look at a serial killer we're not going to talk about on this, on this show, Jeffrey Dahmer, too modern of a serial killer. Mm -hmm. um, Jeffrey Dahmer's first victim was accidental. He accidentally killed the man. And there has no, been no other serial killer in history who's been more open than Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer was, was obsessed with getting his story out there, telling the absolute truth to make sure that more Jeffrey Dahmers weren't created. Mm -hmm. So he was very open about it. Um, and his first victim, it was an accidental death. But it kind of triggered something in him to want to experience that more. It was, a, it was a young hitchhiker that he'd picked up. I cannot remember the details of it now. But yeah, there was a accidental death, but that just opened the door of like, I did this accidentally. Next time it was on purpose. Mm -hmm. So I could see, I could see Holmes pushing Tom to his death. I could see Holmes accidentally pushing Tom to his death. Like, yeah, that's true. Hey, Tom, catch! <laughs> Dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I want to believe that Holmes was just like, done. You know, and it may be, maybe with, that's like the biggest thrill he ever had in his life because finally he has stopped becoming the victim. He has become the instigator of it. He is now the punisher. And he has control. He has absolute control. Mm -hmm. And he ends up going into one of the professions that sociopaths go into most. Medicine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolute control over human life. Mm -hmm. And... um. 
easy access to cadavers. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if anybody, the Native American of serial killers. Because <laughs> he really used every part of the buffalo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he enrolled actually in the University of Vermont in Burlington, Vermont at 18. He apparently didn't like it very much, uh, spent about a year there, and then, uh, as, as became his pattern, um, hightailed it off to somewhere else. Um, that would be University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery. Um, so this was 1882. He graduated in 1884. It's interesting to see who he studied under there, because you can see where, not that these people were at all to blame for, you know, like Holmes is completely to blame for everything he did, 100%, it's solely him. But you can see the influence in where he learned things, because he worked in the anatomy lab under Chief Anatomy Instructor Professor Herdman, and then also apprenticed under Dr. Nahum Wright, White? Na- Nahum? It's, we're, we're it's dealing, a name. <laughs> we're dealing with some names that just straight up don't exist anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll just, I'll just make it up as I go along. I'm going to say Nahum. 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 Nahum is his name. I say Nahum. <laughs> Nahum. Nahum, I say. Uh, who was a noted advocate of human dissection. Now, are we talking dissection? Dissection? Or vivisection? I think full dissection, like like actually like t- taking, like, you know, you do with the frogs in high school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking everything out of the body, examining it for the sake of, and probably for him, it was for the sake of future medical research. Um, but this provided Holmes with some inspiration, it seems like, see, and some knowledge. See, we do have dissection, which human dissection still goes on to this day, mm-hmm. which I feel is extremely necessary. Um to, to train the future surgeons. You don't want them practicing on a living, breathing person. Yeah, no thank you to that. Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't want to be some somebody's practice when they're standing there with a scalpel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What's that? No, don't need to hear it. Or, oh God, that's a squirter. Don't want to hear that one either. Um, but dissection is one thing. There were some advocates at the time of vivisection. Okay, now explain to me the difference, because vivisection is, is basically just like slicing in a V? From what I understand, <laughs> once again, I'm no, I'm no armchair physician. <laughs> Dissection is dead. Vivisection is alive. Oh, that's a horrible difference. Yes, <laughs> that's a horrible difference. Write it across the sky in gossamer teardrops. <laughs> yeah. That's a horrible difference. Yeah, I I don't know if he did any vivisection. It's not really clear. There's so many things that aren't clear just because of his tendency to prevaricate and muddy the waters left and right. I, I can almost guarantee Holmes practiced amateur vivisection. Probably, yeah. yeah, look yeah up, it's likely. Let's, let's look up vivisection quick. I <laughs> okay. need to know, am I correct? It's... It's the twisted little knot at the top of my spine needs to know, is vivisection while alive? Uh, the practice of performing operations on live animals for the purpose of experimentation on scientific research only used by... Pe- really sick fucks. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> well, it doesn't... That's strange. It says used only by people who are opposed to such work. 
Oh, the oh, word the is word. only yes. Usage. Okay, the all word. right. So people who actually perform vivisections, not fans of the word. I wonder what they call themselves. I don't know. Live cutter uppers. I, sounds <laughs> Slice good. Slice and dice and in, listen to them scream. Involuntary oh. anesthesia-free surgeons. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the horror. Yeah. Oh, the nightmares. <laughs> the, and I think it says something really about humanity that we have to have a word for that. That's true, yeah. It says something very bad about humanity. Yeah. yeah. That we have to have the word vivisection. Now, medical school is not cheap. It wasn't cheap then. It's not cheap now. So how did Holmes... Holmes came from a wealthy family. How did Holmes afford this, though? He got money from his wife. Clara Lovering. I love that name. Clara Lovering. You love Lovering? I love Lovering. <laughs> love Lovering. Uh, married 1878 and produced one child, Robert, uh, in, born in 1880. Robert Mudgett. I would also change my name, but definitely not to Holmes. But he actually, a little side note, uh, Robert Mudgett became a CPA, a certified public accountant, and later served as the city manager of Orlando, Florida. So he actually went on to lead a you know successful life, despite his you know early years and who his father was. And at least he didn't change his name to Holmes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> to honor my good father <laughs> and all the work he did advancing medicine <laughs> and insurance fraud, <laughs> which is another way Holmes got an awful lot of money. Dude was good at insurance fraud. That was that was really his bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, being in medical school gave him uh, instant access to many, many cadavers. Um, and on top of that, not just that, if, if one of these frozen cadavers, which I will heretofore refer to as a fucking corpse-sickle, <laughs> if... If he couldn't get one of those, he wasn't opposed. Once again, this is the begrudging admiration I have for H.H. H. Holmes. He wasn't opposed to going out, getting his hands dirty with a pickaxe and shovel, and digging up digging up his own. Fresh, free-range corpse, <laughs> essentially. He would take this. He would create a fictitious person, put a life insurance policy on them, and then go nuts on the corpse with a knife or perhaps the shovel and pickaxe that he, he dug him up with and just went, here's your body. Sorry, I'll take that $50,000 now. And he was good at it. Yeah, no student loans for him. No, no debt, no monthly payments, none of that. None of yeah. that shit. Nope. <laughs> yeah, he was. And once again... It's something you could not get away with today. Absolutely not. First of all, insurance has definitely made some rules to make it a lot harder. To, I mean, you can't just make up a fictitious person and take a policy out in their name. This is Samantha Picklecopter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Samantha Picklecopter. She's, she's dead now. But I want that sweet, sweet green money to ease the pain of my beloved Samantha Picklecopter. He did um, sort of evolve the insurance scam thing to later on. Eventually, he would um, become, he would, when people worked for him, women especially, he would become their beneficiary. And then, of course, you know, you know how that ended. You can oh, guess. From, from what I understand, a lot of them ran off 
to California and yeah. And other such stories that yes. nobody believes. Where where did she she ran off to uh Dirk Ramistan? <laughs> making up countries as he goes. Spring Springfield, obviously. Spamada. Yeah. <laughs> Spamada. North is, you wouldn't catch me in Spamada, it's so cold. <laughs> so yeah, he uh he did uh marry Clara and uh sort of use her uh, in addition to his insurance scams to get through school. And then he, he left her. Um, or, well, some it's, it accounts differ as to whether she left him or he abandoned her. They do say the marriage was violent. Um, but in 1884, and she would later say that she didn't know what the hell he was up to. She didn't know anything about, you know, all of his shenanigans, which is way too fun of a word for what he actually did evil shenanigans <laughs> his evil shenanigans there to, we go there to we go. steal from super troopers evil shenanigans evil shenanigans so yeah he uh he ended up <laughs> once again jaunting off somewhere else off in philadelphia for a little while um and worked at a drugstore and nobody could possibly guess that there would be mysterious happenings surrounding his brief time there a boy died after taking some medicine that was purchased at the store. And, of course, as we can guess, H.H. H. Holmes flitted off elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Immediately leaves Philadelphia. Denies wrongdoing. Denies wrongdoing. But, you know, I've worked in the medical field. I've never killed anyone. Yeah. That I know of. <laughs> I suppose some of them could have died after they left the emergency room. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After that, he, let's see, went on to, not only was he a prolific serial killer, he was a prolific husband. <laughs> yes, he was. Marries one, <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on, really, that's her name? Murda. Murda Belknap. <laughs> Do you think that K could be silent? Belknap? Oh, yeah, that, Bell could be, that could be silent. Yeah. yeah. We will never know. Belknap. Because there are no Belknaps left. <laughs> All the Belknaps are now rotting in a pit of quicklime below <laughs> Chicago someplace. We'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, he did supposedly file for divorce a few weeks after with Clara. Supposedly, a few weeks after marrying Murda, but the papers never got there, so he was officially a bigamist. And, spoiler alert, would eventually become a trigamist? trigamist? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I was wondering if it's more than... Because buys too. Yeah. Yeah. So, trigamist. Let's look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Surely. We're Google a lot today. Yeah. Because this is important. I need to know. Is trigamist a word? And if it's not... It should be, because bigamist. Trigamist, having three wives or husbands at the same time. Yeah! We are two for two with it's... words actually meaning what we think. Yes! <laughs> I feel smartest. Even though I thought I made up trigamist. <laughs> it already existed, I can't take credit. That's the beauty of having a, a lexicon that has like millions of words. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you only have more of a chance of being right if you're speaking German. This is true. Where they have a word for everything. I, uh, and it's I, ten syllables long. Exactly. I cleared my throat the other day and accidentally <laughs> accidentally ordered the invasion of Poland. <laughs> As we all do on occasion. You know, it happens. Funny little mustache. And <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, just because we have mentioned H.H. Um, Holmes's children, he also would have a daughter with Murda, whose name, she at least got a good first name, Lucy. Oh, thank that's, God. That's a good one. That poor woman. What's the middle name? Theodate. <laughs> Lucy Theodate Theod- after, Holmes. After Herman's mother. Oh, that's right. That's Theodate. right. Theodate. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Which whole Oedipus complex thing kicking in there. Probably, yeah. Um, she eventually became, Lucy, not uh, Theodate, uh, eventually became a public school teacher. So um, both of his children that were aware of went on to live normal, good lives. I mean, you wonder how much they were haunted by what their father did because he was pretty young, you know, when it all ended. But I mean, we'll never know. That's that's and it's all, it's in a way it's good, you know, that they yeah. could have just gone off and, and we don't need to know. They could have just gone off and lived their lives, not being harassed, been able to get away from it at, at least to whatever extent they could, and just be themselves and separate themselves from because they're not part of it. They they didn't do any of it. Right. They had no influence over him. And I don't know why, but I find it hilarious. I'm sitting here trying not to laugh over the fact. That one of the most prolific serial killers, a probable body count of 200. Mm-hmm. His kids are like a public accountant <laughs> and a school teacher. Yeah. No, they're supposed to have like, this This guy had a murder castle. He had a secret lair. <laughs> murder castle. No, these guys are supposed to be like, what do you do? And it's like, well, I have this volcano that I live in. <laughs> My sister... She's an evil teacher. She, <laughs> she, she teaches dictators. Mountain fortress <laughs> yeah. in the Alps. No, no. School teacher, CPA. Uh, I don't know why, but I find it hilarious. It is, it is, there is a, a, a strange amusement to it. And it's, it's, that it's, it, it's unexpected. It's the juxtaposition of yeah. incredible serial killer, school teacher. They might have, that, that might have been part of it, you know, depending on like their ages. Let's see. Um, uh, I believe that the son was born in 1880, and then, so he would have been in his teens-ish when uh, all of H.H. H. Holmes's stuff came out. So, I mean, he might have been drawn towards that life of normalcy in order to get away from that life of craziness. Well, it's, it's not only that, it's, it, it, once again, that's that vintage era juxtaposed, I'm using that word a lot today. That's fine, it's a great word. It it's is. It's one of my it's favorites. my $12 word of the day. <laughs> With what would happen today, these people would have their own TV show. They would at least have a book deal out of it. And if they didn't want that, if they didn't want the publicity, they would be hounded by people. They would be possibly like doxxed and, and, yeah. and have to run around from location to location. We're doing it now. You and I <laughs> yeah. are doing it now. We're, we're literally talking about them well over 100 years later. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they, they would have been followed around. You, you see it... Um, people having to go into hiding you know when like i think the um remind me again the california but we just the golden state killer yeah. yeah for some reason my brain always conflates golden state killer and btk i don't know why they are kind of similar yeah they are kind of similar in a weird way it's uh, i think btk he was the green river killer correct no i think that was because um... he named himself i think they originally called him the green river killer this is one I'm wrong about. I thought the Green River Killer was somewhere more um, northwest and that the BTK was Midwest. I've been listening to too many podcasts about murder. It's, they're all, it's, it's just one giant murderer going across the state. 
I had um, just a real quick aside. I had an incident the other day, actually. <laughs> Maybe I should have brought this up at the top, where I was scrolling through the news on my phone, mm -hmm. and I see none other than the face of my uh, ex-stepfather um, in the local news as a uh, missing person. And just, to, you know, everything cleared up pretty quickly. There was some weird misunderstanding. We still don't know exactly what it is, but he's fine and well. And I'm sitting there, I'm like shaking. I call my mom, you know, to, you know, let her know and see if she can figure everything out. And then I put down the phone and I look at my husband and I'm like, because I'm, I'm a naturally like anxious person. Mm -hmm. And so all the thoughts of all the bad things are going through my head immediately. And my brain can go to really awful places already without all the outside influences. See, I think that's, that's a way that you and I are very much alike. Mm -hmm. I think I have a better time hiding it than you do. Oh, yeah, I, I struggle I to hide it, yeah. Yeah. I, I fully, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I have a better time hiding it, but the very first thing that comes to my mind is the absolute worst thing. Yeah, yeah, the absolute worst what if, and then your, your brain cycles through all the different mm -hmm. what ifs. And I just, I started cycling through those what ifs, and I just looked at my husband, and I was like, this is why I shouldn't listen to murder podcasts. <laughs> like, I won't stop. I'm not going to stop. No. In fact, I'm starting one today. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, for me, like, I, I realized a long time ago, but I think the most recent thing where my mind went to the worst possible place, and I've been struggling with this because I've started a new job, and a job that I don't really enjoy that much, but I'm convinced I'm going to be fired every day that I walk in there. And even though I don't want the job, I don't want to be fired. I want to quit on my own terms. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But a couple of uh, a couple of days ago, we had a horrific windstorm. Oh god, that was horrible. Yeah, absolutely horrific windstorm. I have. <laughs> I, I'm not using it to kill people. I live in a Victorian mansion. Are Are you sure? <laughs> I can't prove that it's never been used to kill people, but nobody has died there since I've owned it. Okay. Yeah, in the four years that I've owned this Victorian mansion. And I'm not a wealthy person. I accidentally got this place for $30,000. We also live in an area where with incredibly low cost of living and very, very cheap houses. I've seen, I've seen houses go for $3,000 here. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's not out of the question. And yeah, they'll they'll need some you know renovation. We're mm -hmm. not talking about you know a, a a serious you know California mansion here. We're talking right. about needs some needs some blood, sweat, and tears. But but they're structurally sound. Absolutely, yeah. the wind was blowing this place. Oh, I can only imagine. It. I mean, the top floor was was kind of going back and forth. Wasn't very much. It was like a quarter inch either way, but enough that a human being can feel it. My the first place that I go to is this place is gonna fall over. It's gonna collapse. I'm going to die because I've decided to put my Transformers collection, I'm a weirdo, on the third <laughs> floor. And if I'm going to die, I'm going to die on the third floor here <laughs> in a room filled with three thousand Transformers, just like the gypsy woman said. <laughs> but the curse is bearing out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But of course, the house didn't fall over because mm -hmm. stuff like that doesn't happen. You know, uh, even went out and there were shingles lying all over the ground. And I thought, oh, God damn it, I'm going to have to get a roofer in here. I don't have the money for this. I'm, I'm paying off a credit card. I'm paying off this. And I, I look up and there's no shingles missing from my roof. All the, they all came from the neighbors, and I went, well, fuck them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's his problem now. <laughs> hey, buddy, you want to get your fucking shingles off my lawn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the brain does tend to go to the worst places, and, and that's why it's so strange that I, you know, 
maybe it's part of, of why I, I'm attracted to, to true crime is because you can help you want to you want to try to understand it and even though you yeah. never will you never can truly understand like why or how somebody could do these horrible things and could be so cruel and vicious but you're at least attempting I, I think and I think a lot of the people who will eventually listen to this, We'll probably feel the same way. Mm -hmm. I feel like you and I are probably one hug away <laughs> from actually being a serial killer at one point in our lives. <laughs> I think that's why we find it fascinating, quite honestly. There was that one time my mom went, I'm really proud of you, Scott. And it's like, that's what kept me from being a serial killer. That was the opposite of your Tom. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a Tom. I had my mom going, good job. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you. And yeah, one hug away from, from a body count. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 definitely a weird fascination, and one I've yet to address with my therapist. But one of these days, maybe tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> so I did this podcast, and put down the phone. <laughs> I said, put down the phone. All right, back, back to, to it. AJ Holmes. Um, so yeah, he's he's had a daughter with Murda, um, and then uh, goes off to Chicago. Mm. Chicago. Have you ever been to Chicago? I have never been to Chicago. It is a filthy town. <laughs> At least it was whenever I was there. I was there in 84 and I was there again in 96. And it is probably the second dirtiest town I've ever been to. There's a city that's never going to listen to this podcast again. <laughs> but hey, truth. Hey, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Chicago. Get your act together. Maybe you have. 96 was a long time ago. Maybe you've gotten it together since then. I mean, New York used to be, you know, yeah. a, a cesspool. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh, Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh was horrible. Mm -hmm. Johnstown. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was like, wait a second, you called it the second dirtiest, but the first dirtiest city maybe Salt here? Lake City, Utah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the train station in Salt Lake City, Utah, and this is, once again, 84, was just crawling with rats and insects. Uh... Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Salt Lake City got my number one, which you would think Mormons are very fastidious and clean people. Yeah. But no, no. Hmm. Or maybe they just don't like trains. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he goes off to Chicago, and immediately he decides, I have a dream. I would love to have a 30-plus room building <laughs> that takes up an entire city block. I'll rent out a few rooms, but then I'll rent out a few other rooms that are specifically designed to murder people. Yes. In some weird Victorian-era cube movie. He has an asphyxiation room. Yeah. He has an isolation room. He, he has a room that is designed to pump gas into so that the person will either pass out from the gas... Or he can throw mash in there and incinerate them alive. Gee. And then... Both just bad ways. Yeah, Both. yeah. And then, I think I would choose gas myself. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's quicker, I think. And you sleep. Yeah, it's basically mm, sleep, sleep, yeah. Sleep, sleep. Yeah. But then, he also has a chute that goes to the basement where he has a vat of acid, a pit of quicklime, an incinerator to cremate his victims, and a rack to stretch them out. He was nothing if not thorough. 
Absolutely. <laughs> you could say that the, he, he wanted all these bases covered and he covered them. It was sometimes, I think, a little dicey because, I mean, somebody had to have caught on with the blueprints because there were hidden rooms and there were, I mean, somebody had not caught on necessarily, but somebody had to have had suspicions that maybe never got as far as any sort of did authority. You, did you, in, in your research, did you find out how he built the place? Just like using, like switching contractors? He, and... It was a thing where, it was a thing where, at that time, the World's Fair was going on, mm-hmm. and it was going to happen, and a lot of people were coming to Chicago for work that didn't actually exist. They had heard rumors of work, so he drew up the blueprints himself. Mm-hmm. He made stairways that went nowhere, doors that opened into brick walls. Uh, it was it was straight-up jigsaw territory. Mm-hmm. Steps that had secret buttons in them that would light up buzzers mm-hmm. in other parts of the mansion so he would know if people were trying to escape from the rooms. Yeah. He would bring somebody in, have them work on one section of the blueprints. He would only show them one section of the blueprints. Mm-hmm. Have them work, go, I don't like the job you're doing. Three or four days later, fire them without paying them, bring in somebody else. And he was, he was notorious for the con game. He actually, I guess I didn't realize this until I did the research. There were furniture rental places back then the same way that there are now. Yeah. Never rent furniture, people. No, don't do it. Don't do it. It's... Why? <laughs> it's a bad move. It's a bad move. You can get that shit on Craigslist for free. Um, but he went and got a furniture rental place. And then didn't pay them for two years. They sent vans, which I imagine at that time were horse-drawn big carriages, to repossess his furniture. Early repo men. Exactly, right? <laughs> Victorian. I'm, I'm just picturing them in like big tall hats. Yes. And all of them have like mutton chops. Every m- last one. Mutton chops, bad teeth, white, dressed in white for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I would go with... Maybe brown or black. White seems like it would get dirty too easily. Yeah. And it's, hard, it's a lot harder to clean clothes back then, you know? they. I don't even know if they were doing white wedding dresses yet then. I don't know. I don't know. But they go in to Holmes' mansion, and there's not a scrap of furniture in the place. <laughs> not one thing. And they go, what the hell, mate? <laughs> and I don't know why they were poor English <laughs> people, but... He goes, you were already here and repossessed the furniture. And they go, no, we weren't. He goes, well, then where is it? Master gaslighter. Master gaslighter. What he had done, he had taken every piece of furniture, put it into one room, bricked the doorway up. Oh, my God. And then wallpapered over it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just to keep the furniture. (laughs) And oh it my worked. God. It worked. I guess if they can't find the furniture, even if they try to stick the police on them, which the police probably would be like, we don't care about your furniture. Exactly. We've got We've got people disappearing left and exactly. right. Exactly. Well, we'll see a little bit later on. It turns out not being the police that get rid of Mudgett Holmes in Chicago. It's his creditors. It's yes. the people he owes money to. But he creates... This masterpiece of death. 
a murder mansion. And it's on the on the on the first floor. It's very normal. It's a pharmacy. Yeah, and 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 like a retail store. There were there were different retail spaces, and the pharmacy seemed like it was pretty big. It had like a jewelry counter and everything. Sold a lot of snake oil stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he, pretty much every that was basically every pharmacy yeah, back then. He, he actually had a leak in the basement at one point. But it wasn't a pipe leak. It was like a natural spring that kind of bubbled up underneath his basement. Mm -hmm. So he bottled the water from oh this and sold it as a cure, like a cure all. I think I think it was like mostly mostly as a cure for alcoholism. But he sold it. Like once again, I would go, oh god damn it! There's a, there's a fucking river going through my basement. He goes, this is an opportunity. Yeah. I can make like money. Gold. Oh, thank God. Please. He couldn't have just, you know, he could have just bottled up regular water if he was going to do that. I mean, maybe like throw a couple of pieces of, you know, some dirt in there to muddy it up and make it look like it's more than water. But he didn't... Christy, it would have been a lie. It would have been natural spring water. That's true. That's very true. Yes. Very, very true. So, yeah. Um. He, uh, he, he made it, you know, seem like a very normal place, which, you know, you've got to have that front if you're going to make it in the serial killer right. world. This wasn't like bats flying out of it, spider webs everywhere, yeah. crack of thunder in the background. This was a storefront with a couple of apartments mm -hmm. up top. Something that we see to this very day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Many of us have either had friends who lived in a similar place or lived there ourselves. And, he, and then he had... A huge pool of potential victims with the World's Fair and like we said thousands upon thousands of people were coming in droves it was actually it was the World Columbian uh, exposition and it was actually celebrating the uh, 400th anniversary of Columbus uh, reaching America's shores um, so the people coming from all over and you know there were World's Fairs you know in different cities in different years and um, but they, they were definitely drew in the people and like you said for jobs and then people just coming for entertainment would need a place to stay. So how about a hotel? Yeah. Yeah. Some people came in, some people left, but the people that went in through that number was a lot higher than the people who walked out. He would, as we said, he would asphyxiate them, murder them. Uh, he would lock them into rooms with peepholes in and just watch them starve. Mm -hmm. But the thing that was surprising, Holmes really wasn't too much of a braggart about this. I mean, he, you you can't be if you're gonna if you're gonna get away with it for very long. But even even to the point after he was caught, mm -hmm. a lot of serial killers go, Yeah, it took you a long time. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And to a point, Holmes did lie. A lot of the people that he claimed were his victims were found still alive. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The couple that owned the, the drugstore where he first got work that was actually across the street from what would eventually become the murder yeah. castle, um, they, he claimed to have killed them, and they lived into the 1900s. To be fair, 200 victims, you're going to get a yeah. little cloudy on who's 200 who. potential. I think he only ever confessed to... 27. 27, yeah. 27. Yeah. But he was kind of secretive about how he did everything. Mm -hmm. So it's this is just kind of theorized... Each one of the rooms has like a different name, and unfortunately, the or fortunately for for uh, whichever way you want to look at it, the murder castle is no longer there. Yeah, burned down. But there was now a post office. Yes, yes, <laughs> which is oddly appropriate in a weird way. Somehow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you have 
they had the room of three corpses. The the police named it like the room of three corpses. There was another one, the asphyxiation room, the isolation room. So each one of these murder rooms actually was given a name, not by Holmes, but by the police who investigated this, the insurance men who came in and investigated it. These were very um, um, on-the-nose names, not going for subtlety. They, this room does what it says on the tin. Exactly. <laughs> this is the asphyxiation room. Guess what happens here? Exactly. People asphyxiate. Uh, yeah, and the last owner of the hotel, uh, he claimed it was haunted. Can't blame him. I would... I would... I sort of believe in ghosts. I've never, I, I feel like I won't know for sure unless I actually like see something like definitive, but I've had friend, like a friend that had a haunting and I believe her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she even fully believes it, but I still to this day do just judging by the things she told me. But yeah, if I were living, if I were living anywhere where people died, hell, yeah. when we first moved in here, when we first came to look at the house, um, the, uh, the neighbor came over and it was his brother who had actually owned the house. And then on the other side was the house that used to be their father's. The property had, had once been all their father's, and then he split it up for his two sons. Um, so he comes over just to, to talk while I'm waiting for the realtor to show up. And then the neighbor on the other side living in the father's house, she comes over and she, she's like, I've, I've been meaning to ask you, did anybody ever die in our house? Because he grew up there. And he's like, no, no, not that I remember. She's like, we're always hearing these footsteps and laughter. And he goes, and he's not, he didn't seem, he was, he was, quite old in the next year or so he would have to go to a nursing home um he didn't seem like the type to fuck around with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like to, to like mess with somebody's head he goes oh yeah he's like now that i think about it a couple weeks ago i saw at the bottom of my yard a, a little girl in a white dress running past i just thought she was one of yours and the, the neighbor's like no i don't have any girls <laughs> <laughs> i i lived in a home that was active oh and I actually lost a fair amount of girlfriends <laughs> because it was active. It, it took a special kind of, of woman to stay with me for a while. Um, but, I mean, the stuff going on at the hotel. Mm-hmm. I must, feel like we should give numbers because I have numbers yeah. here and I love numbers. Must, it must have been pretty bad. The last owner did commit suicide yeah. in the hotel. So, Which, I don't know why anybody would choose to live there but in the the blueprints included 51 doorways that opened to brick walls 51 just one's not enough yeah let's have 50 more 100 windowless rooms which the very idea of a windowless room just 100 windowless 100 yes holy holy cow yeah like i was thinking like upwards of 30 because i knew i knew there was 15 murder rooms and then 15 lodging rooms. I had no idea there were hundreds. That's incredible. We've got these, you know, doorways that open to brick walls. So probably, like, you know, there's some closing off of certain rooms at some point. And they may not have even gotten into everything. Like, I don't know if they ever, the, the investigators or the insurance people ever got a hold of the original blueprints. It, it says the blueprints include, but I'm not even sure if that's accurate. Right. But yeah, those are the numbers I have. And then two furnaces and the body size shoots that you mentioned and just all kinds of gruesome, macabre shit. Man had a dream stuck to it. <laughs> stick to itiveness. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. That's, man, man. <clears throat> now, he, well, what I find amazing is. And I actually have a bit of a theory about this. Women flocked to homes. Oh, they like loved him. Nobody's business. Wives, mistresses, uh, other friends' wives 
would just go to this guy. Mm -hmm. And he had uh, a mistress actually move in with him. Uh, Julia Connor and her daughter Pearl moved into the castle with him. And Julia's husband worked at the jewelry counter in the pharmacy. Yeah. 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 Of course, he, you know, decided to get the hell away once he discovered what was going on with his wife and his boss, essentially. Right, right. Julia becomes jealous over the other women Holmes is sleeping with. So what does Holmes do? In an incredible display of MacGyver-esque technology, he installs a button on the first step going to his private chamber so that whenever somebody steps on that first step a very soft buzzer goes off and he knows his mistress julia is coming up the steps so and i imagine i don't put it past him i imagine like you have to get to back behind this bookcase and this bookcase swivels and his mistress goes through and it turns out there's whirling blades at the end of the hallway (laughs) he wouldn't have used that no he wouldn't have ground them up because he actually once again, in an amazing display of greed, would have the body stripped down to the skeleton and sell the skeletons off to medical professionals in the Chicago area. Which, when you look at it, ties very closely to that childhood incident yeah. with the skeleton. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's almost like it gave him an idea. Yeah, really ballsy move. In fact, it's believed that one of his wives who ended up disappearing... Was this... Um, which wife disappeared? Was it Murda? I think it's Murda. Okay. I think it's Murda. She ends up disappearing. Murda was extremely tall. Murda was over six feet. Oh. Right. If I'm thinking of the correct the correct wife. Um, she ends up disappearing with her daughter. I believe I believe Murda's daughter disappears too, doesn't no. I'm wrong about that. My Julia. Apology. Julia and her daughter disappear. Yeah, yeah. Julia and her daughter disappear. Holmes, a couple weeks after Murda disappears, sells a skeleton for a pretty penny because it is an unusually tall female skeleton. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I believe Murda. that's Murda. I am willing to admit I may have those facts wrong. It may be somebody... Because he would place ads. He would place ads to have rooms rented out. He would place ads that I'm a businessman and I'm looking for a goodly wife to share my life with and raise my children and what have you. So it might have been one of those women he brought in too. But I do remember, and I wish I would have wrote it down. I wish I would have wrote it down. I did not put it in my notes. There was... One skeleton that he sold that everybody is convinced is this woman Mm. who went missing. Because the skeleton was unusually tall for a female. We're talking like Brienne of Tar. Tall. That's immediately what I thought of. (laughs) (laughs) When you said she was six feet, I was going to say, oh, so a Brienne. (laughs) Yes, Brienne of Tar. Or, you know, Trooper Phasma or whatever. (laughs) Pick a roll. Same person. Uh, Yeah. And not only would he do the ads, but he would also... Uh, his his eventual henchman slash sort of partner in crime, but not really, uh, Benjamin Peitzel? How did we decide to pronounce that? I think we decided Peitzel. Peitzel, yeah. okay. Yeah, Petiz- Benjamin- I've heard Petizel, I've heard Petizel. One of those names that if, if you have it, you're you're correcting people your entire life until you just give up. Mm-hmm. You know, until you're just like, you know what, call me whatever the hell you want. So, yeah, he would go to the World's Fair with uh, Peitzel's children. So, you know, gives him that... 
air of legitimacy and, you know, family man that, that can lure in the ladies. And he would get wealthy women, you know, to come back to stay at his hotel with the promise of, you know, a good night's rest. Um, and, the, you know, these women, there's so many people from out of town. There's so many people that it, it, when you're traveling, especially in those days, it's so easy to go missing and have just nobody notice. It's kind of terrifying to think about. And just the chrome-plated balls on this guy. Once again, this is one of the things I admire about him because it's, it's a personality trait that I don't have. He saw a woman that he wanted, even though it was for a nefarious reason, mm-hmm. and he absolutely went after her. Yeah, and he right? must have had charisma for days. Absolutely. He dude, rolled a 20. He wasn't, he wasn't really anything one way or the other. He didn't really look remarkable in any way. He had kind he of a, a hangdog con- look. He was actually considered quite handsome. Was he? Yeah, yeah. It was I guess it must be standards of the standards change. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln was considered quite handsome. Yeah, there's that. But here's this guy who's going after woman after woman after woman that mm-hmm. he wants and getting it. Meanwhile, that, that cute Venezuelan girl that I like at the gym, mm-hmm. whose who's husband, like, kind of, she's told me, he kind of smacks her around every oh, once in a while. No. I can't ask her out. Poor girl. What would, yeah, she, I mean, she's, she's wonderful. She's great. Has a great kid. You know, that I love. The kid's always happy. She's got a lot of X's and L's in her name because it's like one of those Aztecs, Calotles or something like that. Mm. What? I can't do anything about that because, you know, that's somebody I want. Like, if it's somebody I don't want, yeah, absolutely, no problem. <laughs> Speaking to them, scoring with them, none. But whenever it's like, I've made the joke, I can have any woman I want except for the ones that I want. <laughs> but Holmes, what would he have done? If he wanted Pixelotl or whatever the fuck her name is. I love that you don't know her last name. I don't. There's a lot of X's and a lot of L's. And like the T is right next to the L. And it makes it confusing. And how do you pronounce? Anyway. Like Kukuzumushu or whatever the fuck her name is up there. I just call it, hey, how you doing? (laughs) No. She would get a letter in the mail saying that her husband, honey, don't come look for me. I've decided to run off. And uh, go to Zanzania and help the natives fight off hungry lions because there's a drought there and the, the lions are so. No, I'm not good enough for you. <laughs> what you need is a good man. And of course, then I'd be selling a skeleton later on down the line to one of the local doctors. No, you got to admit, the man knew what he wanted and he took the steps to get it. Even though it was always terrible. It was a ter- terrible steps. There's a thousand ways he could have gone about it better, but I don't think there's any way he could have gone about it more efficiently. And considering how intelligent he was, it's interesting to think what he could have done with his life that would be good. Like, oh, yeah. we, we, did, we did go down, like, that sort of jokingly, the Ash versus, you know, Holmes road, but, you know, he could have, he could have been a very successful, he could have been a great doctor. Or he, something. he was considered very intelligent, although there were some reports that he was kind of a mediocre student in medical school, but when you're really busy with those cadavers, yeah. you know, yeah. the studies kind of fall by the wayside. Exactly. I can't study for my test tomorrow. I have to defraud this insurance company of $50,000. <laughs> Hand me that pickaxe. Samantha's <laughs> face is going into the dirt. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he definitely, he, he always, he just kept on doing this over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, it's said that it, the list of the people who were missing came to around 50. 
that who were who were last seen at uh, the murder castle or last known to have been there. Right, and so. that's fifty that we know about. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the ones that were just never seen. Uh, there, but ended up there. Or, you know, ones that weren't reported for some whatever reason or another, or ones that the just they home, never knew they were missing. I mean, homeless population. Yeah, prostitutes. We were talking about the the Bear Brook podcast, and that you know, right there, you have an entire family missing: a mother and three children, and nobody knew. They couldn't even identify yeah. them for for decades because, uh, and still haven't. Wait, I'm trying to remember how it ended. No, wait, no spoilers. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> just go listen to the podcast. Yeah, go listen to it. It's it's it's, it's very it's uh, much better than this. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's 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 bingeable as hell. So get ready because you're not going to stop listening until the end. Um, but yeah, like they, they they didn't know who they were for, and and nobody had ever they couldn't match them up with missing persons. So you have you know potentially tons of cases like that yeah. in in Chicago in 1893. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting. Even in even in today's world, those cases are being solved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very famous case out of, I believe it's Texas, Lori Ruff. Have you ever heard of the Lori Ruff case? It sounds really familiar. A woman ends up committing suicide, and husband goes and opens up the box that she told him not to open up if she ever died. Turns out her name wasn't Lori Ruff. Oh yeah, that's right. Turns out she was somebody else, and then that's somebody else. Didn't actually exist, and finally they tracked her back. She was a Pennsylvania girl. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was like a long trail too. It absolutely was. It of was, like stolen identities. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it was just nobody's still quite certain why she fucked off to wherever she went to and ended up in Texas. But yeah, long trail of stolen identities, and mm-hmm. it's once again that sort of thing still happens in today's world. It's mm-hmm. it's really incredible. We haven't escaped it even all these years later with all yeah. of our technology and all of our abilities and, and everything that's developing and can be so incredible. Um, we still are, you know, solving mysteries from years ago and having people be able to masquerade as, even with with ID being as as complex as it is. We're about to get like real ID here in Pennsylvania, and you know. I, it's still, you know, they didn't have IDs back then. Oh, okay. So this this uh, kind of ended as far the, at least the murder castle aspect of of it in 1893 when the third floor actually caught on fire. There weren't very many people there, but they were pretty much um, everybody was able to get out. And of course, Holmes being Holmes, he had at least four different companies that he had insurance policies on his murder castle with. <laughs> When you when you construct a murder castle, I mean, you're investing a lot in that. You want to insure that thing no, and insure it and insure it and insure it. No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't invest a dime. Yeah, his true. murder castle was essentially free. He invested his mind, Scott. <laughs> he invested his mind and his Once energy. Again, this is why I begrudgingly respect him. <laughs> so yeah, they all these companies um, were like, no, we we're gonna sue you. And threatened to have him prosecuted for arson. So, as we see in the pattern, what does he do? As soon as, you know, something bad comes up and he might get caught, he just flits off. He fucks off to Buffalo. Yeah. Or wherever he goes to. It seems it was Fort Worth, Texas. Where Um, he gets arrested. For the first time. For horse thievery. For horse thievery. (laughs) My God, this guy was versatile. (laughs) Horse Thievery. And you see, that was probably nothing to him. That was like, yeah, I can have this horse. Of course I can have this horse. I built a murder mm-hmm. castle. Have you, do you know who I am? But there, there is an argument made for horror movie fans 
that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, by the way, we might hit Ed Gein eventually in this, because that's definitely old-timey, crimey material. What year was Ed Gein? I think Ed Gein was in the 30s. Okay. Yeah. So I, I kind of not want to do anything pre-1950. Yeah, that's about where I am, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre actually happened in Wisconsin. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yes. So there is an argument made by cinephiles that's saying the scary word, the word that really makes it terrifying, isn't massacre. It isn't chainsaw. It's Texas. Holmes was afraid of Texas. This man, this man who was a prolific serial killer when I don't think even the phrase had been invented yet. Not yet. And... He was afraid of Texas. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think the first person to ever get the moniker serial killer was Ed Kemper. That sounds right. That sounds right. I don't know for sure. Once again, we're... Once again. You know, yeah. We, we know some things, but we have to look other things up on Google. We're playing fast and loose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With this particular case, you kind of can't help but because... The facts are so scattered and varied and, you know, some sources say one thing and other sources contradict and you really don't know who to believe. It's very... And he, Holmes himself muddied the waters, like we yeah. said. So, you know, he's partially responsible for that. And then just over the years, things get... I mean, things things get confused and things get exaggerated sometimes. And actually, like, even Wikipedia says that the 200 number just comes from, like, dime store pulp yeah. novels. Yeah. And, I mean, 1894, you look at it, we're really a hundred... A hundred years away from people believing in, in people like Paul Bunyan. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, there were people out there, although, you know, there's people out there that believe the world's flat today. Yeah, that's true. We're, we're, we haven't gotten much smarter. No, we haven't. <laughs> no, we haven't. I like to think that we've stayed pretty much the same. Technology has advanced. We've stayed pretty much the same. It's just the technology has advanced to the point where the dumb have a voice. Yeah. And there's an argument to be made that people are going to say that about us. There's, there's that a, these two dumb sons of bitches have a voice now. Potentially a valid argument, Absolutely. but we're not going to listen to it, I'm really. just in love with the sound of my own voice, this buttery fart of a voice that God <laughs> has given me. Same. God, cigars, and scotch. <laughs> so, in jail, he meets um, a man who will eventually, I'm not going to spoil it, but have an interesting hand in his destiny. Uh, Marion Hedgepeth. God, I love oh, these fuck. names. Come on. I would. I want to. I want to get another cat and name it Marion Hedgepeth. <laughs> Just. I'm Scott. Who wants your name? Van der Sneed Pumpersnatch. <laughs> You're very good at these fake, fake old timey names. Thank it's a talent. It's gonna come in handy on this podcast. I feel like. Um. So yeah, he came up with this idea of doing uh, a another insurance scam, but this time he would fake his own death. Um, and he wanted Hedgepeth's Tasselback fart knock. <laughs> it's really hard to say with a straight face even, especially when you're making it, you know, possessive. Hedgepeth's. <laughs> oh, uh, he wanted Hedgepeth's help with, um, you know, finding a lawyer who would help with the whole uh, insurance scam thing. Uh, it was to, be, to fake his own death, but he ended up not doing it. He, he said, you know, hey, Hedgepeth, I'll give you 500 bucks out of my haul if you help me with this. Hedgepeth helped, and then... You know, uh, Holmes got out of jail and never paid up, as pretty much was his want. Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was his style, pretty much. But so yeah, um, he took that same scheme and he was like, you know what? I don't want to fake my death. Maybe somebody else should. And once again, we have 
Benjamin Peitzel? Is that Peitzel. A... We're going oh, with Peitzel. I should have like written it phonetically at some point in time, but whatever. I just picture Peitzel as like a little yellow pill-shaped guy with one eye. <laughs> and the thing is just... He's such the perfect minion. <laughs> yes, yes. And Peitzel really gave it all his all. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. he said that he would fake his death. Mm-hmm. And they'd split it the money three ways. Faked it really, really well, Peitzel did. Yeah, yeah, he faked it so good that it actually happened and yeah. it was Holmes that did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was supposed to be, um, Peitzel was supposed to set himself up. He was going to pretend to be an adventure. I believe they were in Philadelphia again. Um, and he was going to be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. It's all very dramatic. Holmes himself, big on the fake inventions as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. He, uh, he faked an invention and sold it for $5,000 that turned water into light. <laughs> That's so stupid. That's so HH. It's so HH. <laughs> That's so HH. That guy. It was just a magic trick. All the pipes and stuff. It was just a, a tub of water that had a gas line going out the back of it that you couldn't see from the front that just made a little gaslight. <laughs> Literally gaslighting people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taking L- gaslighting to new levels? Literally. <laughs> it's like, I can do something with this phrase. So, so yeah, he um, they were going to split the money three ways. And with uh, him, uh, with Peitzel, Holmes, and I think the attorney who was helping them, who they'd gotten from Hedgepeth, um, and... Do you know what the attorney's name was? Please tell me you know what the attorney's name was. Oh, I don't think I have it because I had so many names. I was trying to cut down on too many names because I think it gets confusing when you have too many names. But what was his name? I have no idea. I wanted to say it was Eurysthenes <laughs> Blandercast. <laughs> Jephtha Howe. Of course it was! <laughs> Jephtha Howe. Jephtha Howe. Who was in practice with his older brother, Alfonso Howe. Of course. You say that all in one... Alfonso Howe. It just Alfonso sounds... Howe. It has It has a weird flow to it that somehow works and yet also really doesn't. Yeah. Alfonso Howe. Alfonso Howe. It sounds like the name you would give your pet bird. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Jephtha... <laughs> Was supposed to get another third of the money. Lovely stone, by the way. If you polish it up and cut it just <laughs> yes. right. Yes. It's the new diamond. It really is. Jephtha. So, um, he was supposed to be a part of it. And Holmes, of course, his job was to... Kill everybody. No, find the cadaver. That was his original job. No. The... No, trust me. It's to kill everybody. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Probably he would have done that. But he gave up. Like Sometimes he realized when his time was just, well, better spent in other endeavors. And in this case, apparently he decided his time was better spent killing Benjamin Peitzel. Why? I think that was a dumb move on his part. You have the one guy that's willing to help you. Right? This is your Igor. Mm-hmm. Um, he seemed pretty loyal. Pretty, you know, pretty committed. Yeah. And at what point? I mean... If he turns in Holmes, they're both swinging at the end of a rope. Yeah, you've got mutually assured destruction. Um, there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was it was really a dumb idea to kill Peitzel, and it did really start a, a downward spiral that ended ended pretty quickly. But he killed him, uh, knocked him out with chloroform, and then set him on fire. Really, just not going for the compassionate endings here at all. No. Again, that lack of empathy is kicking in real hard. And then fucked off with his wife and kids. Yeah, and he had a real corpse for the life insurance for once in his life. 
Yeah. Yeah, the real corpse with the actual, who was the actual, you know, um, not beneficiary, but the actual... Victim. Victim, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the actual victim. The actual owner of the policy, I yes. guess I should say, yeah. And it's a thing where, ironically, this is the one where the insurance company goes, wait a minute, this is a little suspicious. Yeah. In the last seven years, this guy has turned in 53, <laughs> 53 life insurance policies that were only a week and a half old. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Might there be something going on here? Let's cross-reference this. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Too much work. Yeah. So Just uh, pay him the money. Yeah, he basically... I, I, I don't fully understand what happened with Mrs. Peitzel. He did... Um, he. He didn't fuck off with the wife, as far as I can tell. He, this is, I'm not going to say it that way with the children. He mm-hmm. ran off with three of her children. Um, see, like, talked her into like him having custody or kidnapped them. I don't know. Sources differ. See, what I got, what I got was that he ran off with the five kids, Oh. Mrs. Beitzel, and a mistress oh. on a train. That's so HH. See, I had him, um, the, one of the sources I read that gave the most detail about this particular portion of his life was he talked her into giving him at least temporary custody, if not permanent custody, of the three middle kids and sent her with the eldest and the youngest um, off on another train on like a parallel route. And maybe they were like meeting up or something I like that. I am going with you because <laughs> that sounds that's more, that's more plausible. That's more plausible than just him running off. I'm going with what you heard versus what I heard. <laughs> Either one can be true and we'll never really know. That's the, that's the yeah. thing. There's so many aspects of this that we'll never really know for sure. We do know that he murdered three of the five children. We do know that, yes. It was pretty pretty brutal. Um, he And he eventually confessed to this. Um, murdered... Two of them by forcing them into a large trunk, drilling a hole in the trunk, and then attaching a gas line to asphyxiate. Mm-hmm. That's, it's pretty, it's, uh, yeah, that's poor children. Yeah. I mean, you know, he wouldn't even stop at children. You know, that's, that's the, the, the innocence, you know, you're, just, just completely taking innocence and just stomping all over it. You're trying to associate human emotions well again it's that lack of empathy right you're trying to associate human emotions with the humans that are the least like humans yeah in our i know society and that's that's the cognitive dissonance where you you're, you you have such a hard time understanding it's it's, it's right there that when you're like I feel, i'm a pretty empathetic person sometimes too mm-hmm. much so and it can cause me you know problems sometimes and so that cognitive dissonance kicks in real hard. Um, but I feel like I'm probably like addicted to it because of the whole like murder, true crime fascination. Well, I think I think we're I think we're attracted to that which we're not. Mm-hmm. And there's also I'm I'm a writer, and so I'm always trying to understand people and how they work and how they tick. And serial killers are the furthest from the thing that I'll ever understand. So I'm just constantly striving, and I'll never get there. And that's probably for the best for you know my yeah. my sanity and my ability to sleep. See, I, I think my fascination comes from having that one relative mm. that I'm fairly certain is. I, I had a college friend come and visit, and I told him, be careful around person X. They're empty inside. Mm. And that's the best way I can describe person X. That's what I'm going to refer to him as, person X. And my buddy Mike went up, shook his hand. And Mike came back and looked at me and went, Jesus Christ, I had no idea what you were talking about. 
until right now. I looked in his eyes, and there was nothing there. And honestly, with H.H. With Holmes, it might just be biased because I know so much of what he did and I've been immersed in it for a couple days mm. now. But when I looked at this picture, I saw the empty eyes too. Yeah. It's, it, 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 again, could be just me applying that to him. But, but yeah, he was, not, um, he was not above taking a, a child's life or another child's life. And then a third child's life. The third one he killed in Indianapolis with... Um, it, was, it was unclear whether it was poison or drugs... Um, but, in, you know, pretty much the end result was the same. This was at least the fourth child that he killed. Yeah. Because whenever the police and the insurance investigators went into the murder mansion, they did find oh. in the quicklime pit the bones of a very young child, oh. assumed to be... Pearl. Uh, Pearl. Julia's, Julia's daughter. Julia's daughter. Yes. yes. The, 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 the OG mistress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably um, not the OG mistress. Probably not the OG one that we know about. Yes. That's, that's, yes. that's recorded by history. So, yeah, that all happened. Um, during this time, uh, at some point in this time, a Philadelphia detective caught on to this, or the insurance company's... T- t- um, <laughs> there's a cat. <laughs> the, the insurance companies tipped them off or something, and a, a detective named Frank Geyer. Hey, a somewhat... Regular name. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Frank Geyer seems like a grizzled detective that's yeah. seen too much, and this is his last case before retiring. And he just I'm too old cigar- for this shit. Exactly. Cigars, <laughs> and he walks into the murder case and oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he found some, he was the one who found the um, the Peitzel girls in the, in the basement in Toronto where they had been buried. And then, but Holmes was off doing his Holmes thing, which, as we've learned, includes just marrying people. Left and right, and he married Georgiana Yoke. Of course he did. Of course he did, and of course that was her name. Sarah Jacobs was busy, so Georgiana <laughs> Yoke yeah. will have to do. You got to get the the and the end of Yoke. Yoke. Yeah. That's gonna sound great on the podcast and people's you. headphones. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were getting into. <laughs> they really didn't. They really didn't. <laughs> now you do. So he married her in 1894. And yes, I do actually have insurance investigators were alerted to the fraud by dun, dun, dun. Hedgepath, oh. our good friend Hedgepath, who he met in prison in Urn Jail in Texas. How sad is this story whenever the good guy is a cellmate in Texas? Yeah, well, his motivations, they, some, some sources say nobody will know his motivations, so some sources are like, well... Uh, Holmes fucked him out of the $500 he was supposed to get out of the whole ten grand that came from the life insurance scam with Peitzel. So, yeah, he had a, a motivation. He was like, no, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to turn you in. And I, you know, I, I, I know exactly what you did because you told me what you were going to do. Honestly, Hedgepath is lucky to not be hanging in a doctor's office by, the, by a bolt in the top of his skull yeah, at this yeah. point. Anybody who ran into Holmes is lucky. To not oh, end yeah. up that way. I can only imagine, like, finding out everything he'd done and just, like, you know, sitting there in shock, being, like, you know, like the, realizing the, the ginormous... You didn't even dodge a bullet. You yeah. dodged a fucking... What's a... A freight train. A freight train. We'll go yeah. with freight train. I was trying to think of some kind of missile, but I don't know missiles. Well, who, am I, who am I to talk about missiles? It's a lot of times, like, serial killers go out of their way to get anonymous victims. Yeah, yeah. 
Not Holmes. No, no, no. He straight up married his victims. And he would Had... choose wealthy women from, from, from the, the, the World's Fair, too. Yeah. And those are the ones that their family members have the most resources to be able to find them. So, you know, I mean, granted, that could have just been another dumb move that just didn't happen to be the one that ended up with him, you know, eventually confessing. Yeah, but Holmes straight up did not give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. and But he did... Um, Man lacked shit-giving. He, he got tracked by the Pinkertons. Uh, to Boston. Got busted. This was in 1894, so his third marriage was only about 10 months old. It's uh, actually, a... 10, months, 10 months old to the day, I believe. Wow. <laughs> in a weird way, it's killers tracking down killers. The Pinkertons were not yeah. nice people. Yeah, yeah. But they were good trackers. They were, they were good at what they did, even what they did was not so savory sometimes. Made them sound like Wolverine. I'm the best at <laughs> what I do, and what I do isn't very nice. <laughs> They didn't really have much evidence to convict him with, but they were able to get him in with an outstanding warrant for horse thievery. <laughs> that was one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle that that got him did him in. And then the next piece, this is this is the interesting part to me, um, where the the investigators, inspectors, whomever, um, this might have even been an insurance inspector. I'm not sure. Uh, it was just just said inspector. Um, they're talking about Patizel. Peitzel's, damn it, Peitzel's body. Um, and, you know, Holmes is trying to say, no, you know, it wasn't me. Um, and Real then, shaggy move there, Holmes. Yeah, really, really. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Um, the inspector remembered that when they first found the body, it was in full rigor mortis, um, meaning the person had died recently. Uh, what Holmes' story was, was that he had uh, essentially, that he hadn't killed Peitzel you know, he was trying to at least get away from the murder charge and, you know, maybe get the insurance scam. He was he was he realized he couldn't escape that. So he's like, no, I had a guy in New York ship it down to me in Pennsylvania. But with shipping times and travel time, rigor mortis actually did look up. Um, rigor mortis sets in about three or four hours after death, peaks at 12 hours, and breaks after 48 hours. So mm -hmm. with shipping times, it would have been out of rigor mortis at that point in time. So the investigator actually said, so... Um, where did you learn to stiffen up a body after it's no longer in rigor mortis? And then Holmes did a sexy dance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I find you innocent of murder, but guilty of sexy in the third degree, Holmes. <laughs> so said apparently every woman in Chicago. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he had no answer to that because you can't answer that. There's no way to do that. It's impossible. So um, he... Uh, yeah, that was it. That was that was his uh, his breaking point. That was the moment. It was it was basically Hedgepeth, Pinkertons, and then the facts of rigor mortis that that did him in. Uh, Which sounds like a great a great novel, Hedgepeth, Pinkertons, Pinkertons, and the Facts of Rigor Mortis. Yes, it does. By Christie, that should be your next novel. There we go. We've got it already, <clears throat> and it rolls right off the tongue. It really Absolutely. does. Absolutely, it's it's memorable. So um, Holmes did not let being in jail stop him from trying to make a book. Or uh, 7,500 of them. Uh, he gave Hearst newspapers his confessions, most of which were eventually disproven and turned out to be complete lies, for $7,500, which in today's money would be $224,000. So quite a haul he managed to get. And he seemed to either just have it or he seemed to have some hope that he would eventually get out or escape or something like that. But not, not, not to happen. That was not going to happen. 
uh, every serial killer has that hope. I would, yeah, I would imagine so. Like, and, and they also think they're smarter than everybody else. So they think, you know, maybe, maybe I got caught this once, but if I got caught and I got away with it for all these years, sure as hell I can find a way out. Ted Bundy, in in court, represented himself, and oh, yeah. and the judge even told him that he wished he would have met him under different circumstances. <laughs> Because he would have been proud to have him be a lawyer in any case in his courtroom. The the judge (laughs) says this to the defendant. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was that was a case, but yeah. So yeah, um, he's tried for the murder of Peitzel, so that's the one that gets him after all the other murders. Which, granted, I mean, there's something to say for maybe just like going too far and being too obvious or getting too confident but i think it really says something about the time period and we all know you know it was it was things are much better for women than now than they were then they, they're still not you know as great as they could be but they're, they're much much better but it's funny that it's like oh you killed a man it's the man that, like <laughs> that's the one that the insurance investigators are like but all these women died left and right, and it was just kind of, you know, eh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying, I don't know anything about the investigators of any, you know, who, anybody who received word and had the authority to investigate any of the previous murders. I don't know whether that was their attitude or not, but you can kind of draw some conclusions, maybe. Have you ever heard of the Changeling case? It was actually a movie based about it. The Changeling? Yeah. Yes, yes, I have. Yes. yes. And nobody would listen to her that it wasn't her child. Yeah. 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 The kid was even uncircumcised, and her kid yeah. was circumcised. What did they do to this poor woman? Threw her in the loony bin. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, I mean you can you can definitely see that reflected in in just the fact that it was like, Oh, you killed a man. Oh, oh, now we better mm-hmm. we better send the Pinkertons after you. Yeah. So yeah, he um he was convicted for the murder of Peitzel, sentenced to death. Um, and well, like we said earlier, he confessed to 27 murders, only nine confirmed. Um, so that's, that's all that we're certain of is nine. And he was fond of muddying the waters. He really loved to just confuse the hell out of people and, and you know, either tall, tell them tall tales or tell, you know, things that could be easily disproven. I killed this person. What? No, they're still alive. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. So um, he was just altogether completely unreliable. Um, he was executed on May 7th, 1896. Let's, just... let's talk about his biggest crime. His last meal. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Boiled yes. eggs and toast. <laughs> I'm going out. I want something light. <laughs> Don't fry an egg. Grease sits in my stomach too heavily. I want a boiled egg and some dry toast. I want that slippery white, you know, um, whites. And that 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 kind of like super dry yeah. yolk. That's what I want. And the yeah. toast. Let's not let's not even butter it. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's fuck butter. Yeah. <laughs> just nice and dry I'm, so it sticks in my throat. I'm watching my weight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be making a public appearance soon. Yes, yes, <laughs> I've got I, to be svelte. <laughs> nobody nobody wants to go to the hangman's platform <laughs> with a beer belly. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, and his last words. You have his last words. Last words. He told his executioner, take your time, old man. And that's what ended up happening. It took a long time. He probably should have had a heavier meal. A couple of extra pounds may have snapped the neck. Neck did not snap. There is a reason why the phrase hung from the neck until dead 
actually became part of the executioner's lexicon mm-hmm. because some people would survive. And if you said you were judged to be hung by the neck, you were hung. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people actually went free, strangely enough, on that technicality. <laughs> um, so hung by the neck until dead became the lexicon. Uh, last podcast on the left did a great show on executioners. Hmm. And they talk about adding that in, hung until dead. Um, Holmes' neck didn't snap, and he asphyxiated. Yeah, he... 20 minutes. I have um, twitched for over 15 and then was pronounced dead 20 minutes. But it could have been, you know, there's some time after the twitching, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, so pretty, um, pretty fitting that asphyxiation became his end and interesting his burial wishes 10 feet encased in uh cement because he didn't want happening to him what he did to everybody else you got it. he did not want anybody to steal his body and dissect it <laughs> which is just you bastard yeah you utter oh, bastard that's like the last kick in the face to all of his victims that he did that to it's just it's the last like you know big middle finger that you know this was good enough for you but it's not good enough for me it's it's just it's it's appalling and just fuck him yeah seriously fuck him so as he said the murder castle um it, it survived for a little while but it had a, a fire and it, it's it think it's thought that some people were seen around it running toward into it and then running out of it and then there was an explosion um and then uh, eventually uh, torn down became as we said a branch of the united states postal service and then i have an interesting footnote to holmes's last wishes for his burial <laughs> <laughs> i need to hear this, this because is great. we finally get a sort of justice thanks to the history channel um, in 2017, there was a TV show called American Ripper, and they had, um, I'm not sure if it was just a single show or a series, but I feel like it was a series, that they were addressing the rumors that for, for years had gone on that Holmes escaped execution, that it actually either wasn't him. I, I'm not, I didn't look into all the rumors. I just know that there were lots of different rumors that he escaped execution. Um, so a judge actually approved the exhumation of Holmes's body. Um, they... Found clutching an insurance <laughs> insurance voucher in his hand. Yes. Um, well, because of the cement, uh, his body did not decompose uh, as it as it would have otherwise. Which they had some difficulty in getting that cement. I'm sure that it was hard. I, I, w- I was surprised even to see that they had adhered to his last wishes. Although I guess you have no choice, but I wouldn't have. Um, uh, his clothes were almost perfectly preserved. Get those puppies to the Goodwill. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> I once got a bought a robe from the Goodwill that was like a, it was like definitely like a, a grandpa robe, uh-huh. and my mom was like, "You know, some guy died in that. You yeah. know it." I was just like, "Thanks, mom. You're helpful." Are so you kidding? that makes me want it more. I'll pay double for this. Here's fifty cents instead of the quarter you were asking. <laughs> yeah. And his mustache, which if you look up pictures of H.H. H. Holmes, he has this long drooping mustache, was intact. <sighs> Yes. So uh, they used his teeth to make a positive ID and reburied him. Probably not with all the cement this time. Yeah. And therein lies the end of the weird story of 
what I'm going to refer to as the James Bond of serial killers. <laughs> the James Bond slash MacGyver. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, James Bond, he had the gadgets. Oh, and he had the, the way with ladies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're Heitzel right. Heitzel makes the perfect cue. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. James Bond is, is better. Yeah. yeah. He is the James Bond of serial killers. Triple H. <laughs> Oh, Holmes. I feel icky. Yeah, I feel super icky, too. Yeah. He could have done so many better things with that brain. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. he did not. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is... I'm going to go home and take a long shower. <laughs> yes. Watch something light. I'm thinking The Orville. And maybe Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, love that show so much. Me, too. Nine-Nine. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And, uh, the Good Place is another one if you haven't gotten into that. That's I haven't. A, oh, it's, I haven't. that is such a great palate cleanser. If you need to, I would decide to start that. I believe at least the first couple of seasons are on Netflix. If they're not, if you have Hulu. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Good Place is, uh, is absolutely, it is fantastic. And it, it's just, it's, I cannot recommend it enough. Mm. I, it's one of those shows that I wish there were more episodes of, but I'm glad that there aren't because they pack so much fantasticness into it. That I'm, they couldn't stretch that over the standard 22. The, the one that I've really been loving is Project Blue Book. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's the History Channel. Oh, okay. And it's a, a dramatized version of the true story of the two men that headed Project Blue Book. Uh, one of which was Professor J. Allen Hynek, who went into this going like, I don't believe in UFOs. Hmm. And then whenever the Air Force kept making him go, no, find an excuse, find a reason, find a reason, find a reason for this one. There is no reason. Find it. Swamp gas. Fuck it. Um, and he is the guy that came up with the term swamp gas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Huh. J. Allen Hynek. And he regretted it his entire life. Hmm. He actually came out of it going, yeah, there's something going on. Hmm. <laughs> so this whole thing to discredit UFOs becomes the thing that makes this guy believe. And it is, it is an amazing series. I don't know how much of it is true, how much of it is dramatized, but it is, it is quite good. I suggest our listeners check out Project Blue Book. Awesome, yeah. yeah. So some TV recommendations at the end here. Some... Absolutely. Palette cleansers. Yeah, cause... palate cleansers, because we need them. Yeah. Good <laughs> God. Good God. I'm going to have a beer. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. Catch us again next time. Um, if you have any suggestions... Uh, check us out on Facebook on Old Timey Crimey. Uh, throw your suggestions down there. You for... set up a page? I did not. <laughs> okay, well, we... Not. we can do that. We can do though. that and we can edit if we have to change the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I doubt Old Timey Crimey is taken. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, find us at Old Timey Crimey on Facebook. Throw out the suggestions there. And thank you so very much for listening. I am Scott. I am Christy. And we wish you a wonderful night. And for the love of God, don't stay at a hotel. <laughs> um.